Hello, and welcome to another episode of After the Applause. I'm your host, Emily Schalbetter. Today, I talk to Juliet Raffinelli, who is a recent graduate of Westminster Choir College, where she received her Bachelor of Music and Voice Performance. She has aspirations to attend graduate school to continue training as an operatic soprano in hopes of traveling the world to perform as a professional opera singer. Juliet is also invested in mental health advocacy and feels passionately that all bodies are equally stage-worthy. Also, I'm going to start including this in the intro of each episode as well as the outro because I know when I listen to podcasts, I tend to skip the outro. So, we do have a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash after the applause. Our tiers start as low as $5 a month, and with that you get early access to episodes, and at $10 a month you can start to submit questions for me to ask the people I interview. So if you've been listening to this podcast and think, wow, this is really interesting and cool and stuff, but I have a lot of questions that I wish I had answered, and I'm not going to reach out to this person by myself and ask them these questions, you can reach out to me, and then I'll ask the questions for you next time it comes around, if you donate $10 a month via Patreon. So again, our Patreon is patreon.com slash after the applause. We're also on Instagram at after the applause pod. In today's discussion, we talk at length about her struggles with chronic illness, specifically chronic fatigue syndrome, as well as discussing in not as much detail, but still sort of at length, her time in eating disorder inpatient treatment. So if either of those topics are triggering for you, this might be an episode to skip. But if they're not, I would definitely suggest listening all the way through to the end because Juliet has a lot of really valuable things to say and she is a brilliant, intelligent, and deeply compassionate and kind person. So if there's anybody to listen to about this stuff, it is definitely Miss Juliet Raffinelli. And here she is. I am from New York. I just graduated from Westminster Choir College with a Bachelor of Music in Voice Performance. Love to sing my entire life, but really got serious about it freshman year of high school when I started taking voice lessons. I had some trumpet training in there too uh, for some fun. Did you take voice lessons through high school um, with the same teacher? Did you continue your trumpet training through high school as well? Or did you basically just focus on voice um, once you started high school? Um, I, I was with the same voice teacher uh, throughout high school. I started trumpet lessons in seventh grade, actually, and I did continue through high school. I have a very good relationship with my trumpet teacher. He um, was very supportive of me pursuing voice and he really helped me become the musician that I am. That has only helped me in my voice path. Gotcha. So what kind of music did you grow up singing and did that change when you started taking voice lessons? Yeah, um, I was always in choir of some sort and I loved it. I think the community and being able to sing all together was just a feeling like no other. But once I started voice lessons, I kind of was opened up to the classical music world and I started singing art songs and opera arias and it really opened my eyes to what my voice was capable of. Is there a particular kind of music that now you really love to sing? Well, I still love singing choir. went to choir college, so I 
definitely got to do a lot of that. Um, <laughs> and I do still love opera, and I have fallen in love with German leader within the past few years. So you you studied abroad for a little while, or you did a summer program in Europe. Can you tell me a bit about that, and did that affect your love of German leader? Yes. Um, I studied in Vienna, Austria for three weeks. I studied the German language and took a bunch of master classes with various people from Vienna and other places in Europe. And it was incredible to be kind of surrounded by the culture, but also getting to really delve into the intricacies of German leader. And German was always a very difficult language for me to sing in when I was in high school. It, it was something that I honestly dreaded, but getting to study abroad and really focus on it, it I have never loved it more. That's so awesome. Is there anything specifically about German Leader that really attracts you to it? I think a lot of the poetry and the composers of that time where they paired the music so beautifully with the poems. That's something that I have always really enjoyed. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to take a moment to listen to Juliet sing The Bird by John Duke. This isn't in German, but I figured this was as good a spot as any to hear her beautiful voice. Kind of changing gears here a little bit, when you and I went to Nyssa together, I my last two interviews were with uh, Gina and PDF, so um, we have a bunch of Nyssa talk already in, you know, already recorded, so as, as much as you and I love it, I don't think that we necessarily need to go into why Nyssa's amazing 
today because you know we both know but yes um you know you had the the great big dipper incident yes um and can you you can can you tell me that story can you walk me through what that day was like for you um yeah so it was national ice cream day and every year we took a walk to the ice cream place in fredonia called the big dipper and as we were walking there for some reason i just fell really ill I didn't know why, I couldn't figure out where it was coming from, but I was extremely overheated, and I remember coming back and realizing I had this awful sunburn. You know, like, sunburns happen, and we know how to treat them, so I had a handle on that, but I couldn't figure out why, for the rest of that week, I had absolutely no energy. I was just so fatigued, and I wasn't getting any better. So it was that summer where I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome that I think started from that day. The sunburn was what triggered it. Sure. Um, and what was the process of getting a diagnosis like for you? It was very lengthy. I originally, when I had, I went to the emergency room at NISA and they had done some testing and they thought that there was something wrong with my heart. So that was terrifying to be nine hours away from home to find out that information. But then it turns out my heart was totally fine. And what they found in the testing was something that is commonly found with people that have chronic fatigue syndrome. But it was another month that went by with seeing various specialists and getting various testing done that I was finally diagnosed. I understand that this might have differed quite a bit between college and high school, so if you'd like to answer them separately, depending on what makes the most sense, feel free. Um, but how did your teachers and colleagues react when you would tell them that you had chronic or have chronic fatigue syndrome? I had many different reactions. A lot of people, I think, they hear fatigue in the name and just think like, oh, I'm tired too. Like, oh, just get more sleep, things along those lines. Um, so they weren't some of them were not as receptive as others, but some people were very understanding and knew that I couldn't give 100% every day, and that was fine because then there were days that I could, mm. and it didn't, it didn't stop me from working hard. Right, of course. I'm sorry if this is difficult to talk about because I understand that having a chronic illness is really challenging. Um, so if at any point you don't really want to talk about something, just please let me know. Can you walk me through what a day experiencing a flare-up feels like for you? Yes. When I wake up often, I don't feel well-rested. I could get 10 hours of sleep, 12 hours of sleep, and it feels like I never went to bed. And you know, you are a college student, so you wake up and you are expected to go to a full day of classes. And I've always been someone to push through, so I I have, but it's very difficult to sit through class after class, having no energy, not being able to focus, feeling really dizzy, and kind of not really being present for the class. I'm sitting there, but have no idea what's happening sure and then in choir or in a voice lesson it can be really difficult to be able to give my all when it comes to singing because as I've discovered it is a full body experience and if I am fatigued and don't have 
strength that day, it's going to be much harder. What kind of provisions do you typically, or accommodations, do you or other people with chronic fatigue typically need in a like rehearsal environment? Well, there were a few times where, as you know, standing for a long period of time would make me dizzy. So a lot of my choir conductors were very accommodating and allowing me to sit in a chair at the end of the risers. I think that was my that was my biggest one. Any other accommodation that I typically would use would be in an academic setting. Sure, and what accommodations did you typically need in academic settings? A lot of times I would be taking notes in a way other than how the professor was expecting it. I know I had permission to use my laptop in mm. certain classes that others were not allowed to. Gotcha. And some professors also allowed me to report lectures so I could go back and listen again. Right. Yeah, I can imagine that would be really helpful if while you're sitting in the class you're having trouble concentrating or you're too exhausted to physically take notes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Obviously, you only have experience with one university, so I don't expect you to be able to speak for all of them. But in your experience, what do you think that your academic environment did well um, for students with chronic illness or serious illness, if, even if it was brief? And where, where are areas do you think that music education needs to improve in that respect? That is a great question. I thankfully had a very accommodating and compassionate and understanding voice teacher. So I was able to make such growth with her because she understood the things that I was going through and didn't cause problems with me for that. That was a very good thing that I was fortunate enough to have. I think that, I mean, especially in a music school, I can absolutely understand how imperative it is for every member of the choir to be at every single rehearsal. But I think that's something that needs to be examined. It's a lot to ask, especially for people that have these chronic issues. And even with like brief illnesses, for example, if someone were to have the flu, it was, at least in my experience, still expected for us to be at choir. Maybe we weren't singing and maybe we weren't sitting in with everyone else because we weren't contagious, but it was just always expected of us to be there. And I think as a student that really puts a lot of pressure on someone with a chronic illness having to push through when they probably shouldn't be. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Did you find that you were able to find a community of people who were struggling with similar things that you were? And if so, how did that impact your experiences as a chronically ill college student? Yeah, there were actually a few um, classmates that I had, some of my greatest friends that also struggle with chronic illness. And it was nice to be able to have that kind of relationship with someone where if you say like, oh, I'm having a flare today, they totally understand where you're coming from. And I could always count on them to be extra support if I needed them to be. And it was kind of reassuring that I wasn't alone in that kind of situation. Sure. Do you think that there's anything that schools or even organizations or clubs can do to connect students who are dealing with, you know, serious health issues? Or do you think that that is better left to, you know, the people who are having those issues to find each other on their own? I think it would be wonderful if, like, 
higher ups and like organizations were able to kind of bridge those gaps but I find that sometimes when they try it falls short Mm. Um, and I've found that when I have been the one to seek it out it has been a genuine like strong connection Mm. can you elaborate on what you mean by falling short I think if they don't exactly have the experience or understand exactly what would be helpful and what would be more harmful it sometimes tends to fall on the harmful side sure not knowing what is needed okay gotcha so what would you you know now that you're out of college um what would you ask of your colleagues um and your peers in a performance environment what would you ask of them in order to be more supportive for you if they themselves do not struggle with a serious illness in advocating for myself I would kind of talk to them about what it is that I'm going through only in the sense of what would apply to them like mm-hmm. if we were say in a scene together and we are rehearsing if like something were to happen that I would just let them know like just a warning like this is something that kind of happens but I I should be fine just so you know Mm -hmm. um but thankfully I it's been a while where I have had to do something of that sort sure if you don't want to talk about this I totally understand and you absolutely do not have to but we both know that there was a period of time when you had to go into eating disorder treatment and I know that you did it mostly over a winter break am I correct most of it there okay how did you know your decision to enter it was an inpatient program yes um what went into that decision of you potentially having to miss school to seek treatment there was so much that went into that I think my biggest thing was I knew that I couldn't go any farther in that direction and I needed to get help if I wanted to be able to go back to school and give my junior recital and make it through the spring semester and then graduate the following year. So I think I was hoping that I would be able to only use the winter break. Um, I did end up missing a couple weeks of that spring semester, the very beginning. And did you find that your teachers and classmates were generally understanding about that as well? My classmates were definitely very understanding, and many of my professors were understanding. I had a few issues, but they did end up working themselves out. So I understand that all these kinds of musical personal crises come in all different forms, and that, you know, when it's related to your health, it takes on this different intensity because you might be questioning your musical identity, but all of a sudden you're questioning your musical ability that goes something past whether or not you're talented or work hard enough. Um, Right. And can you talk a bit about how your diagnosis of having chronic fatigue syndrome and then your later um, necessity to miss class in order to seek treatment for your eating disorder, you know, how all of that shaped your perception of yourself as an artist and how did it affect your planning for the future? Oh, that that has been quite the journey. I think with having chronic fatigue syndrome there's so much uncertainty with every day not knowing what it is that I'm going to be able to put forward and how much energy I have to give to everything that 
I need to do. And I think, unfortunately, with my eating disorder, I found that the more I was engaged in it, the more certain I was that I was going to have less energy. So mm-hmm. it was, there was less uncertainty, but also I had less ability at that point. So it was kind of weighing what was most important. And I know now that I cannot pursue a career in this field if I am running on empty. Absolutely. So where do you see your career trajectory now? Well, the ultimate dream is to perform as an opera singer. Even if I were to be a chorus member for the rest of my life, I would be more than content. I am working towards that, and that is what I would love to do. I guess I'll see where life takes me, and I think down the line, I would definitely want to teach voice at the college level. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, music education definitely at all levels, especially at a collegiate level, I would say definitely needs people who have experience and are compassionate about the issues that their students might be having. I mean, that can make the world of a difference in a student's life. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you tell me about an artistic experience that inspired you and may have pushed you to keep going when things were getting particularly difficult for you? Yeah. um, My junior year of college, I was fortunate enough to be given a chair in the Westminster Williamson Voices under the direction of Dr. James Jordan. And that has really been my driving force. My biggest motivator when I was in eating disorder treatment was being discharged and being able to record an album with the choir and to continue to sing with them. And ultimately at that point, I did not get to record an album, but the following year I did because it continued to be what kept me afloat. And I think that just every, every chance I get to sing with that ensemble has changed my life and has really been what I continue for. That's really amazing. I'm so glad to hear that you eventually got to record with them. That's such a special experience. Yeah. Kind of switching lanes a little bit. Can you tell me about your role models? They can be musical, non-musical, and why they're your role models? Yeah, my voice teacher from college, she is truly an angel. She has been so supportive throughout everything that I have been through. And throughout the entirety of my time studying with her, she was receiving cancer treatment and still coming to work and giving her all to all of her students and honestly never falling short. And I look up to her so much for being able to continue even while going through something like that. And I think it's shown me what people are capable of if they really put their mind to it. That's really incredible. So looking towards, you know, the world of opera where you want to make your career, what are some things that you are really excited about? I think I have worked for so much of my life to be able to do what I love. And it's, I mean, it's a long road and I am not there yet, but with even more hard work, it's, I'm just really looking forward to being able to do what I love every day with people that share the same passion for it that I do. Yeah, absolutely. That's truly the dream, isn't it? Especially, yeah, especially it, the latter. Yes. Part of it. Okay, last question. This is an easy one. What have you been listening to a lot lately? It can be any genre. 
Folklore by Taylor Swift. All right. All right. We got a Swiftie in the building. Yeah, we do. Are there any particular tracks on that album that you've been playing on repeat? Oh, I I mean, I have listened to pretty much the whole album straight every time um, <laughs> that I listen to it, which is a whole lot. I think one of my favorites on it is My Tears Ricochet. Beautiful. All right, Juliet. Well, thank you so much for calling today and being willing to talk about all of this stuff. It's really meaningful. And I know there are a lot of people who are going to be encouraged to advocate for themselves because of the way that you advocate for yourself. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I appreciate it. Juliet appreciates it. We all appreciate it so much because the more you listen, the more likely other people are to find us And that is especially true if you review us specifically on Apple Podcasts. It's really helpful if you could just shoot over, do a quick review of After the Applause Pod. That would be amazing. Juliet can be found on social media at Juliet Raffinelli. That's J-U-L-I-E-T-R-A-F-A-N-E-L-L-I. Like me, Juliet has a long last name. Sorry about that, but it's pretty easy to sound out. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash after the applause. And if you or somebody you know would be interested in being interviewed or if there's a topic you'd really like to hear more about, you can email me at after the applause pod at gmail.com. Um, if you're a patron, you can also always message me on Patreon. I hope that you all enjoyed this episode. Please share with your friends and family. And uh, if you really hate it, send it to an enemy. I think that's mostly all. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.